0: Here at Oblum, we are excited about making disciples who impact the city and nations. We hope that you enjoyed today's message. Oh, Thank you, friends. It's so lovely being with you guys this morning. Um, thank you to the central team trusting me with the mic. <laughs> um, it's always you know, such a special privilege to be able to share the word. Um, in a way like this. So we are in week two of the series Unstuck um, and we've seen that Jesus' heart for us is to live a life of freedom. It is for freedom that he has set us free and we so tend to grab back to those things that we used to do life with. The tools that we use, used maybe previously or are still using to do life with, Jesus says let's, let's lay them down and take up what he has given us to live a life of freedom. So today we are speaking about this thing called worry. So I don't know about you, but I tend to be a warrior. Not like the, you know, oh, gladiator warrior person, but the warrior spiraling down into deep hole of despair type of <laughs> warrior. Um, so if I can just quickly give you an example of, you know, just driving here this morning, you know, what if I fall on my face? What if I suddenly start speaking English, you know, very deliciously? Um, what if um, I forget what I was supposed to say? What if, Lorraine, don't like what I'm saying to you guys? What if, whatever? Oh? You know, worry is something that spirals out of control so easily. And the interesting thing about worry is, that only 8% of the stuff that we worry about actually come to pass. 8%. So we're spending all of that time stressing ourselves, freaking out about things that will never actually really happen. And we get stuck in bad habits of worry. So let's get right into it. Let's just first unpack what it means To worry, so we're not going to speak about stress and anxiety so much, although it's all related. But worrying and to worry is actually really normal. We our bodies were built to worry, in a sense. We call it our um, natural alarm system in our brains. You know, if a lion would like crawl up the stairs now and enter here, around standing here next to Lorraine, you know, I won't be sure. There is a lion. What should we do, people? Should we run? Should we kick it? Should we try and pet it? You know, what happens in our bodies is our brains get hijacked. Our ability to think logically, that part of our brain actually gets hijacked so that we can get into action. So there won't be a moment of, hmm, we will just act you know, that flight, fight, freeze, and fawn response that we have. Some of us will run, some of us will scream, some of us will like, faint, some of us will play dead. And after a while, when the, when the threat has left or found something to eat and then left. <laughs> um, oh, thank you, <laughs> um We will slowly get that ability to think and process logically will return to us. So that happens. And then you realize, whoa! I'm like, I'm on the sound desk. How did I get there? Or like hanging from a light bulb, like how did that happen? Um, because of all the adrenaline that, ha- that, you know, pumps our system. That's our natural alarm system that does that to help us get into action. And when that kind of calms down, we get our ability to think logically back. And assess the situation, and then that memory gets stored. So next time you enter Central Campus, you're like, sure, you know, lions come here as well. Maybe it won't be Maybe I should join Vihar Park Campus. <laughs> <laughs> you know, we have the ability to anticipate negative events. So it didn't just happen, but we can now anticipate the possibility of a threat entering our situation and prepare for that. That is the purpose of the worry system or the natural alarm system, to help us anticipate negative future events so that we can plan and prepare for that to be safe. No, we don't want to be eaten by lions on Sundays. So that happens. And it's the same in nature, you know, animals have the same response that happened. You know, if the zebra goes into the meadow and a lion attacks, and he gets away, next time when he enters the meadow, he's gonna be a little bit more cautious. So it's, it's built into our natural system. The difference between people and animals, obviously there's a lot of differences because we're people and we're children of the living God. But the difference is we get creative when it comes to anticipating negative life, future events. Animals don't do that. Check, 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 no lion, go eat grass. But we like, what if, you know, I go to church again and there's a lion? What if I go to any church in the city and there's a lion? So let's just don't do church anymore because of this experience. Or let's just don't do people anymore because of this experience. Let's just stay at home where it's safe. We get creative and it actually gets a little bit illogical after a while, but we do that. And I'm using this very almost stupid um, example, but to make the point that we get really creative to the extent that only 8% of the stuff that we are thinking up, that what if, what if, what if, what if actually has merit. And we are spending so much time and we get stuck there. So it, what it means to worry is we, get, we anticipate negative future events, but we have the what if, what if, what if thing going on all the time. What if I fail? What if I um, lose money? What if, I, what if they don't like me? What if I um, am not accepted? What if? And all of those what ifs, are based in fear, fears, real fears that we have. You know, the fear of losing control, fear of losing someone, fear of not being connected, fear of being judged, fear of failure. So, we get so creative in our what-if scenarios because of real, real valid fears that we carry around in our hearts and we get stuck, we get stuck there. And now, at this point, I would just like to mention that I don't think our culture these days helps. I don't think culture helps us, the way that we are taught to think. Um, you know, I grew up in a time where, especially with women, with girls, you know, in that go girl, you go girl kind of culture. You know, girls can do anything boys can do, you know, just put your mind at it. If you work hard enough, you know, you can achieve the same things and all of that. And that is such a um, dangerous, you know, thought pattern or way of thinking for young people. To know that you can, the world is your oyster. Anything that you want to achieve, you can achieve that. Because is that the truth? Does the world work like that? No, and it's a, it adds so much pressure to our lives to know that you know, if you if you go on Instagram and you see like twenty-year-olds, you know, winning Nobel prizes and writing life biographies and all of the possibilities out there. And we compare ourselves to that and thinking, if, you know, by the time I'm 25 I must have a successful business and I have my life plan out and I must have my family sorted and, you know, so people come into the workforce at 18 ready to like be the CEO because the, the pressure is on. But they don't have the experience for that or the qualifications for that or the character for that, for that matter. And the disappointment and the disappointment and the disappointment and it makes us worry. It makes us worry. Culture doesn't help. Our circumstances in this country doesn't always help because it's uncertain. A lot of things are uncertain and it makes us worry. So we have real fears and we get real creative with them. But someone also said that worry is like a rocking chair. I think that's a slide. It gives you something to do It never gets you anywhere. A rocking chair. Because the good use of worry is to anticipate something, make plan for it, and take action. But we don't do that. We get stuck in that worrying, worrying, worrying. The thought goes over and over and over. What if, what if, what if, what if. What if? There's actually a term for that. They call it, um, the clever psychologist people call it to ruminate. So to ruminate, the deep, repetitive thinking. They call that the bad boy of mental health. Really, I read an article, an article. I read an article of psychology today. The bad boy of mental health. And they explained all the physical um, emotional, spiritual um, threats that that repetitive, deep thinking has on us and for us. The bad boy of mental health. So if worry and patterns and habits of worrying is so bad for us, why do we do it? Why do we get stuck there? I think, and maybe you can agree with me, if I'm just thinking about my own life, is we get stuck there for, for, because for a while maybe it worked. There might be seasons where you were more prepared because of your worries. You know, you anticipated the pothole. So you got this, you know, curved out in time. So for a, for a moment it might have worked. Maybe it soothed you in a moment. Maybe it promised some sort of false control maybe. Or you know, if I just think long enough, deep enough, hard enough, I will get to answer of this problem. And it just goes over and over and over and over and over in your mind. And that's not what Jesus has for us. Worry is the tool that is, that's built into our bodies to prepare for negative future events, real ones that there's evidence for because of your experience maybe. It's supposed to add to the wisdom of doing life but we use it as a tool to cope with the fears and pressures of life. And we get stuck. And Jesus says, I died for freedom. I want freedom for you. It is for freedom that I have set you free. Don't use this worry tool to process your life. I'm there to process your life with you. I give you what you need to process the fears and the pressures and the worries and the stresses of life. That's what Jesus is for. That's not what
1: worry as a mechanism
0: is for. So how do I get unstuck? I think the first thing before we get into the word when it comes to this is to just acknowledge that when we have a worry problem, we don't really have a worry problem. We have a worship problem because we are looking towards something else to process our life with we're not looking to Jesus somewhere the answers are in my mind somewhere the preparation or the um, control or the whatever we're looking for in our worry patterns we go to we will find the answer there but the, the answer is not there Jesus is the answer we look to him when we fear. We look to him when we're stressed. We look to him when we don't know what to do, or we're feeling out of control, or all of that. We are not made and built to be self-sufficient, to be independent. We were made for worship. We were built with the capacity for worry, but we were built for worship. Worship, worshiping Jesus, and. In this small little verse in Philippians 4, Jesus gives us this awesome, it's like a little recipe. Where's the ladies? You know, you like steps. Um, No? You know know what I'm talking about. Step one, do this. Step two, do this. Okay, so it's like Jesus knows that when he's speaking about worry and anxiety, he needs to give you steps. because it helps soothe, you know, the moment. Okay, so let's listen to what he says um, in Philippians 4, verse 6 to 7. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your heart and your mind in Jesus Christ. I'm going to unpack the little recipe in there now. I just want to mention the message paraphrase puts it like this. Let petitions and praises shape your worries into prayers, letting God know your concerns. God knows everything that's happening in your heart already. So why does he ask you to bring it to him? Because he wants to be the agent of processing things in your life. He wants to not just give you answers, he wants to be the answer. He wants to walk that road of figuring this thing out, of processing this fear, of giving you what you need as you are journeying with him in close proximity. You can bring our anxieties and our worries to him. So he first, he says, don't be anxious. So he's basically saying, stop worrying. Just stop. Stop it. Um, yeah, you know, There's this funny meme, meme that I wanted to use on that, but I, it wasn't really appropriate, so I left it out. <laughs> but he says, just stop it. In that moment, it, it, we can almost jump to that scripture that he says, take every thought captive and bring it under the lordship of Christ. So if you are finding yourself worrying, you know, do that. You, you're allowed to worry, but then after a while, stop it. Stop the worry and bring it to Jesus. Speaking to him about it. What am I actually thinking about? What am I worrying about? What is the deeper fear here? You know, and bring that to Jesus. Um, if we can put this into a little example. Your son has adult son. You are worried about his health. And you're like, I'm worrying about his health. He didn't make the doctor appointment yet. He hasn't gone yet. I can see he's escalating. Why isn't he listening to his wise old mother? What is happening? And you, you find yourself worrying. You know, take that to Jesus. Jesus, I'm so worried about my son's health. You know, I love him so much and he can be so stupid sometimes when he doesn't listen to me. Please, 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 just, you know, make him go to the doctor or whatever. I, you know, you bring it to him in a real way. And bring your prayers or bring your worries to Jesus, not in the repetitive manner, over and over. I've said it now. I've given it to you, Lord. Now I'm trusting you with it. And I'm leaving it there. You don't go to, okay, now I need to go to this friend and worry about it there. And I need to go to this friend and worry about it there. And then I go and take a nap, but I can't sleep because I'm worrying about it there. I brought it to Jesus. I trust him with this information. And the promise Jesus gives is that he gives you peace. Now, peace is connected to this other thing that he gives us in the verse. It says, What prayer and petition and with Thanksgiving. Now, we don't think about the things that we are grateful for in the moment that we are worrying. So why does God ask us to add Thanksgiving to that moment? Because that is the mechanism he gives us, the tool that he gives us to remember that we can trust him so that we don't grab back the worries we just gave to him. Jesus, I know there was previous times in my life that you, that you helped. I know there were previous times in my son's life where he didn't listen and he bumped his head and he, he made a mess. But sure, Jesus, you even used that in his life and now he knows you and he follows you or whatever. You are reminded and grateful and thankful for previous testimonies of God's goodness and provision in your life. And you add that to that prayer so that you can remember that you can trust Jesus with whatever you're worrying about, whatever your fear is. And the promise is that the peace that transcends all understanding, the peace that won't make sense to you, because peace that makes sense is, okay, I prayed, Jesus has my worry, and now my son phones me and said, listen, mom, I just went to the doctor and everything is fine. That peace will make sense because the, the, you know, the core issue of your worry has now concluded. But a peace that does not make sense means that nothing has happened yet that you know about, because you can't control the outcome. But a peace that doesn't make sense means I feel calm, I feel at peace, I experience the life-giving. Person of the Holy Spirit within me because I trust Him with whatever the outcome might be going forward. I don't control outcomes with being worried. I don't control God with being worried. I trust God with whatever outcome He chooses to bring. The peace that transcends all of your understanding. And it says that peace guards your heart. It guards your heart so that you don't grab back, you know, all of the worry that you just gave to Jesus. Jesus wants to be the mechanism of processing life. He wants to be that person. We need to move from a place where we interpret God through our circumstances to a place where we interpret life through God. Sometimes we think, you know, because this bad thing happened or because of this threat or because of this fear or because of this issue, God must be absent. God must be angry at me. God must be um, a harsh, distant person. God must not care. Because you're looking at your, your external circumstances and thinking this must say something about who God is. But in this moment, Jesus is actually showing us that he wants to be the agent of processing life. So I'm looking to life. What are the fears? What are the challenges? What are the pressures? What are the issues? And I take that to Jesus because of who he is in himself on his own merit. He's not like our fathers and our teachers and our circumstances. He's different. He's holy and set apart and good. And when we've put it through him almost as a filter, then we can look differently at our circumstances. It might not change, but we've changed. We've received peace and understanding and comfort and joy in spite of whatever we might be facing. That is what Jesus wants to do in making us unstuck. So if you are stuck in worry... We must go from worry to worship with thanksgiving. That is the tool and the mechanism God gives us. So maybe just a little story from um, my experience in the counseling room. I sit with a lot of people who bring their burdens and their crises and their issues and their stuff. Um, and we get the, have the privilege of sitting with them and going through that and seeing where what does Jesus have to say about this thing and what is the, the angle of the gospel that you need to let in your life on this issue and that issue? And I sat with this lady one day and she was just like ranting and explaining to me this and 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 I just let her speak for a while and after a while I was like, sure, you know, you're under a lot of pressure, and she's like, yes, you know, I want to pray more, and I want to read Bible more, but I don't get to it, and then, you know, I struggle with lust issues, but, and then I feel how angry Jesus is with me, and then this, and then I can just feel how I'm not making it, and all of that, and I'm like, you know, you know, the, the Jesus that you're explaining to me is not the Jesus I know. <laughs> the God I know and love don't expect as much of me than you're expecting of yourself in this moment. And she just, like, the relief on her face, she just burst into tears, like, what, am I not supposed to want to like, be perfect all the time and make everything, you know, meet the mark in every sense? I'm like, no, that's not what God expects of you. He gave Jesus, so you don't have to stress about that. And the whew, moment that comes when you say, you don't have to have life under control. You just have to trust Jesus. And he will give you what you need to do all the hard things that we need to do in life. And there's this beautiful story in the Bible of Martha. And her sister Mary. Do you guys know that story? So, <laughs> Nellie knows it. <laughs> She's passionate about that one. So, In this story, Jesus shows us something about just how stuck we can get in the expectations of culture, the way we grew up, thinking patterns of what we were taught maybe. Sometimes worry goes that deep that that we are carrying this burden about what is expected of us. And then Jesus says, but I come to do something new. I'm bringing something new. He did it to the Jewish people and he's doing it today. Everything that he does and he teaches is new and like, contradicting to whatever we might have believed previously. He brings freedom. So what happened to Martha? Is she's in the kitchen, busy working, making food like beautiful cheese platters and like thodol balikis and whatever. You know, Jesus is coming to visit her house. It's huge. This she's so excited, and she the expectation was for ladies to be hosting in the kitchen. I mean, sometimes you enjoy that. I don't enjoy that at all. So I'm so glad that's not always expected of me anymore. But anyway, it was expected of her and she was slaving away. And then all of a sudden she's like, where is my sister? We two, why am I doing, one one person doing the job of two people? Mary, where are you? And Mary is sitting at Jesus' feet with the men, listening, like, She's not doing, she's sitting and listening with men. And the scandal, and Martha actually threw a little tantrum telling Jesus, like, you know, what she's not doing, what she's supposed to be doing, tell her to do what she's supposed to do. And Jesus don't do that, he doesn't do that. He says, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things. And there's need for only one thing. And Mary has chosen the better part and it will not be taken from her. There's this gracious, loving moment of discipline that Jesus gives to Martha, and he's extending that to each of us this, this morning as well. The burden is light, and the yoke is easy. And whatever is expected of you from yourself, from your culture, from your upbringing, if that is taking you away from Jesus' feet, from walking the intimate, close, engaged road with him, trusting him with everything, then you are missing out on the freedom that he has for you. And I think in my own life, I had this in the holiday time a few, uh, just a few weeks back. I had the opportunity to just, you know, bring all of my worries in this way to Jesus. Just telling you, you know, I'm so burdened by this and I'm stressed about this people and I don't know what to do in this situation and this and this and this and this and this and this. And as I got quiet, Jesus just brought this beautiful picture into my heart that I just felt to share this morning. He loves sharing very weird and interesting pictures with me. I think that's just how my mind works. But it was of two people like hacking their way through a jungle. You know that like jungle with vines and leaves and overgrowth everywhere. And with these big little like sword things hacking like a road through and it's like a and you know backpacks on and like sweat everywhere and hacking through the jungle. And all of a sudden, they come into this beautiful meadow and this spacious, like lush grass everywhere. And there's a lake. And all of a sudden, the the, the man in the in the picture is like not in his like jungle warrior clothes anymore. He has all nicely dressed. And there's this picnic and this whole spread of nice little goodies. And he's inviting me to just sit there and enjoy the beauty and the spaciousness of this moment and I just felt how God is reminding me that everything that we are working and striving and fighting and hacking for it's good and he's there with us doing it but it's always because he wants to bring us somewhere new he's he's taking us to he's he's on his way to new and beautiful spacious places that He wants us to enjoy. And sometimes we don't enjoy the meadow moments that we get to with Him. We get to that place, we're looking for the next road we need to hack out and the next problem that we need to solve or the next covet that, that we need to clean or the next thing that we stressed about. We don't allow ourselves the joy of the place that God has brought us to after we've worked so hard for something. And that is the invitation for each of us this morning to go from worry to worship to take a moment where we can just you know, think about what it is the fears in our hearts, what the crisis and the worries and the stresses in our hearts and I want you to maybe take this little papirki little paper on your chair my English is now up Just hold it for a moment. I want us to take a few minutes. Write down if you have a pen. If you don't, just like make a note on your phone. But take a few moments and speak to Jesus about what's in your heart. What's the worries in your heart? What's the fear in your heart? What are you burdened with this morning? And then when you're ready, we have God boxes here. And you can come and put it in this box. And like do a little like... Jesus, this is yours. I trust you with this now. And as we, with thanksgiving, worship God in that moment, going to be led in worship as well, to remember what he has done for you already. And if you don't have a lot of testimonies of God's goodness yet, The biggest, biggest thing that He has done for you is He has made you free of the grip and the stuckness of sin and death. Amen? He has set us free in Jesus of the grips of sin and death on the cross. That He has done. And He has so much more freedom and victory and testimonies planned for each of us in our lives. So I'm going to pray for us and then we have a few moments to just sit with the Lord, make a note of the things that you are worried about and come and submit them and leave them and be free of them. Okay. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you that you are good. Jesus, thank you that you have your made a way through the jungle for each of us, Lord. You've brought us to a spacious place of just being free from sin and death, being free from the worries and the pressures of life, Lord. And thank you that there's moments that we can just sit with you and enjoy the spaciousness and the beauty of the places that you bring us to. Yeah, Jesus, it's my prayer this morning for each and every one of us, Lord. For whatever reason we are burdened with worry this morning. That we will look to you. We will look to you as the person who will um, pros- to process life with. To do life with. To deal with life with. And not look to anything else, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Thank you for listening to this week's message. Make sure that you get connected to this family on mission by joining us at one of our Sunday services.